welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. And Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we want just to talk a little bit about what has happened and transpired at Lifeline over this last year. As we draw to the end of the year, we really want to celebrate the things and the movement that we've seen the Lord do through the ministry of Lifeline. We really want to highlight the mission and the vision and how we've seen the Lord work even through our mission and vision this year. And ultimately, we want to end in helping you know of ways that you can invest your time, your talent, and treasure to partner with Lifeline, but more importantly, to help us as we manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. But before I bring in Dr. Rick and we have uh, we talked through the things we've seen this year, I want to remind you about the Advent cards that we release every year from Lifeline. These are free downloadable Advent cards with short Bible lessons and scripture on each card. There's a decorative design so that you can hang them up as part of your Christmas decorations or your Christmas traditions. You can see the link in our show notes to take you right to the place where you can download those cards. You can also go online and order a printed set of cards from us that we will send to you. And then also make sure that you look at the Defender Bible Study this month because every day leading up to Christmas, special Advent podcast. It's a five to seven minute podcast that helps you really reflect on what you're learning in these Advent cards. If you're a parent, maybe to prepare you for family devotion as we lead our children, as we lead our families, as we lead those around us to the mystery of Christmas. Christ, fully God, fully man, come to earth to redeem his people. We're grateful to have with us again, Dr. Rick. And Dr. Rick, I just I just love coming towards the end of a year because we get to really dwell on and think through all the things that the Lord has done and how he has, has used this ministry to glorify his name, to reach women, children, and vulnerable families for the gospel. And ultimately, how we really do see how the Lord is allowing us to have just a small piece of manifest, equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. And I even know in some of the stories and highlights that we want to highlight today, we're going to be able to see not just how the church and how the body of Christ has manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children, but we're really going to see how those that we've ministered to, those that the body of Christ have ministered to, are now making disciples and making a huge difference. Yeah, Herbie, I, I think, you know, as we think about just kind of the the gift that this year's been and and what the you know what the Lord's done, I'm I, I'm honestly drawn to think back not just a year ago, but I'm I'm drawn to think back, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, um, to first come in to know about Lifeline and and really, you know, seeing what the Lord's done over uh, over a long time as as a, a friend of this ministry a long time before, you know, becoming a part of it. And, and I think that, you know, we has been given to us to, to equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to, to vulnerable children. And, and the thing that I, that I've, that I've always been impressed about. And the thing that I love about being able to be a part of this is that, 
like we like we really strive to live out every single word in our mission statement that that we're we're here for the church. We're here for local churches. Like a big part of the story of this year are are the the churches that we've been able to walk in partnership with in order to in order to see those churches care for orphan and vulnerable children and vulnerable families in their community and around the world. And 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 ultimately, you know, the 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 fact is that um, that also it, it it's not really the focus is not just on um, on changing somebody's earthly circumstances, right? Like we, uh, the thing that we you know we try to say to ourselves every day, and something that we kind of really try to to push each other toward is and and to hold each other accountable to is is that the the thing we're here to do is is to help to make eternal differences in the lives of children and in the lives of families and, 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 and those, you know, vulnerable people that we have the opportunity to minister to. And so, um, you know, we're not trying to change a, a child's address through adoption. We're not trying to make their, you know, make their, their earthly life better when, when we have the opportunity to do those things, they're good but but we really want to be focused on on the great right on on them knowing Jesus and following Jesus and and ultimately um living out the life that that each of us were were created to live which is in in fellowship and in um you know in in union with Christ and and so it it's it's amazing that um we've just seen the lord do that over and over and ag- over again this year in the lives of so many different people and and really expanding the horizons that the lord's allowing us to you know to work in but you know as i as i think about those those things that we're able to see and those things that we're able to be a part of as as part of the the lifeline family you know one of the things that i love about this ministry is that that as much as we may um, you know, have opportunity to serve in diverse communities around the world and, and to step into lots of different situations. We also really fundamentally have remained the same ministry that was planted 40 years ago. And the commitment to the gospel hasn't wavered, but, but really that commitment to, 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 to the vulnerable beginning with women that are in unplanned pregnancies uh, are like that still sits at the center point of our of our ministry. And, and frankly, Herbie, I don't know how many people really that are, that are, that are not really more connected with Lifeline really understand that they see us as a ministry that's built around children and really don't, you know, don't see that aspect of, um, you know, ministering to, to women in crisis, but, um, the Lord's delivered some pretty, you know, some pretty great opportunities and some pretty great stories this year. And, and I, man, I'd love for you to, to just share with our listeners about um, a story that you and I've talked about that happened back in May of this year with, um, with an expectant mom who we had the opportunity to minister to. So why don't, why don't you tell a little bit of Brittany's story? Yeah, Dr. Rick, uh, you know, I know you and I have, have really offline have talked a lot about the way that we've seen not just the 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 breadth but the depth of our pregnancy counseling ministry continue to grow this last year um, and 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 I love the way that we're seeing these women that we work with minister to the women that are in need to right. see our birth mother counselors really reach out with the love of Christ and where it's not just 
about how do we help this baby, but truly it's how do we minister to this mom? How do we, how do we look at her holistically and how do we care for her? And that's certainly what Lifeline's been doing the last 40 years. But even as we've seen some of these growth points and growth into other states and growth into other areas, it's just been awesome to see our team grow with people that get the same heart and and really want to lean in. But uh, like you said, in May, you know, one of our, our pregnancy counselors received word uh, from one of our advocates from a local church that there was a woman that she knew that was pregnant at around 20 weeks. And she actually was pregnant with twins and she was on her way to get an abortion. Our pregnancy counselor quickly reacted just to pray but also to help equip that advocate with words to speak and with ways to wrap around this young lady. So they prayed that this mom would turn the car around and would choose life for her children. Uh, this advocate reached out to the, ex- the expectant mom, let her know who she was and, and, and wanted to introduce her with our pregnancy counselor uh, and, and helped her understand the options that she had. Ultimately, she was able to talk to one of our pregnancy counselors, and and they had the opportunity to share the choices that she had, and that abortion was not her only choice, that that she didn't just have to choose abortion. And, And by a miracle of God, the twins began moving around at that moment, and this birth mother realized that she couldn't go through with her abortion. While her two babies were being so active in the womb, she realized it, it, God allowed those children to move. So she realized that there was life inside of her. So she did turn around the car and she agreed to meet with our pregnancy counselor. Uh, they, they met, they explained, uh, this birth mother explained one of the reasons that she was even looking at abortion, especially knowing she was having twins, is that she already had four children as a single mom and that she was struggling to care for these children and certainly didn't know that if she could could care for two others, but yet she also struggled with the idea of adoption. Could she truly choose adoption? So we just made it clear and our team made it clear um, that, that we needed to, to, to really look at life. But this birth mother uh, just made it adamant that while she had turned away from abortion on this day, that uh, abortions was still very much on the table as one of her options. And so we just, our counselors emphatically encouraged this young lady to, to help her see all the different options she had in adoption and in parenting and, and even uh, having opportunities to do some hosting uh, so that she could get her, her feet under her. Patiently, uh, they continued to meet week on and week off and, and to talk over the phone, providing support and care. And we praise the Lord because these twins were born at the end of July. They were three months early, healthy and safe. Um, And even when they were born, the sweet birth mother was still deciding between parenting and adoption. But we're so thankful ultimately that she chose life. And without the patient care of our birth mother counselors, and without the act of God through ministry, Jessica's twin stories may have gone unnoticed and unwritten. But today we can praise God knowing these twins have life because of this ministry. And not only do these twins have life, but now this birth mother has a support system. This church has continued to support her, not just with these two twins, but also with her other children. And we're starting to see her even turn her life and her direction to the Lord. And so, you know, that's not a story yet that has ended in an adoption, but it is a story that's ended with a life that's been changed in this birth mother. Jessica, 
It's a life that's been changed for these two twins that now have life and have an opportunity to have family. But most importantly, I think we see the way that the Lord has orchestrated this story and this family has been introduced to him. And so, so many ways that we see the depth of that, that when we look and we say, we want to be face-to-face, we want to do ministry that's real and that's life-giving to to women, where we see pro-life ministry start to really abound. And, you know, I, I know that we talk about this ministry to birth parents, but Dr. Rick, obviously you and and Denise and your family has grown through international adoption. And even in a year where travel has been difficult, quarantining has been real, swab tests to travel have been real, international adoption has still really flourished. And we've really still seen kids reached in remarkable ways. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about a story where we've seen the Lord's hand move in international adoption. So, Herbie, we want to focus on the story of Joy. Uh, Joy was born to a family in Taiwan who was ultimately unable to provide care for her. Because of Joy's special needs, domestic adoption was not an option either, uh, and Joy waited for 14 years for a forever family. Uh, The waiting that she experienced really compounded her trauma and uh, made her situation even more difficult. Um, But uh, while Joy was waiting. God was moving on the hearts of a family on the other side of the world. Uh, The Buckley family, who already had three little girls, one of whom was adopted from China um, six years prior. After praying over children on on the waiting list, they felt led to pursue joy. They completed their paperwork, they continued to pray, and they waited over two years to adopt joy. During this time, the Buckley's received information about Joy, uh, about her emotional needs, and, and, and about the difficulty and the complexity of her social history. Uh, despite these new uncertainties, the Buckley's felt called to pursue Joy. Finally, Mrs. Buckley traveled with one of her daughters and their lifeline caseworker uh, right in the middle of the global pandemic to bring Joy home. Um, arriving in, in Taiwan in late 2020, Mrs. Buckley, her daughter, and their lifeline caseworker had to quarantine in, in Taiwan for 15 days. This was really during kind of the unknown period of, of COVID. And, and so they um, they were really pioneers in, in beginning to, um, as we began to see international adoption open. When they finished their quarantine and met Joy, um, it's really no surprise, but her uh, her traumatic past and, and 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 difficult social history caused her to push away from the love and the comfort that Mrs. Buckley wanted to provide for her. Uh, Joy was really distant from them and guarded. Um, but after Mrs. Buckley and her daughters came home, um, the challenges still persisted. Right, like they this was a this was a difficult situation with many many years and many layers to the trauma. Um, at one point, they even ended up um, in the emergency room uh, because there was there was such a difficult episode that uh, that Joy experienced psychologically. She was fearful and confused, um, but the the, the Buckley's had a great uh, gospel-centered group of friends around them and a church to support them as well as a plan for professionals to come alongside them and to help them because they knew uh, the difficulty that Joy was likely to face. Their lifeline caseworker walked with them uh, through every step of the journey. And, and, and really, they, they continued to follow obediently um, the, the desire that the Lord had put into their heart to pursue Joy um, and and 
and and walked out this call that God had, had placed on their lives long before um, COVID or the complexity of the things that were facing them. Um, the, through their determination and and their hard work and a lot of prayer and a lot of support from others, um, they were really able to meet Joy where she was and to help her break down the the walls that were helping her to 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 stop um, or, or to not be able to attach. They they were able to to really begin to to build an attachment and build a bond with her. Um, and through through their consistency, they were able, able to help her to to begin to experience safety and security in a way that she never had. After um, after a year of perseverance and, and working hard, Joy has begun to understand that the Buckleys are her family and that they love her and that she's really safe. And they're building a, a bridge um, to to, to be able to love and nurture her well, to see her her grow up and 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 finish her teenage years in uh, with a with a a knowledge of the safety and security that she has in their relationship, and they're able to parent her toward Christ. Um, you know, it, it's it's noteworthy, I think, to see that that one of the incredible pieces to the story is the community that they had around them in their church and and that they had identified people that could come alongside them and could help them. Uh, they uh, also found casework or, or found professionals in the community who were able to help them. And their lifeline caseworker was right there all the time um, to walk through them, walk through with them um, as they consider, continue to persevere and as they um, really tried to meet joy uh, where she was to to help her to to bond and to build attachment and to break down um, the the walls that existed and uh, and you know and, and it really makes me uh, fairly emotional to think about the fact that you know the way this family is hung in and and the way that they love Jesus and they love their children and they want to do the best that they can in order to be able to to see their children to to attach and to have safety and security but also um, to be able to to love and to follow Jesus. And we know that the work uh, that this family is doing is ultimately unlocking the heart of joy and and ultimately will help to show her not just their love for her, but it'll help to show um, the Father's love for her as well. Um, and, and joy is is indicative of a lot of kids. There are a lot of little girls around the world um, who are who are struggling and in peril and in need of international adoption. And international adoption may not be the right answer uh, for every child that's vulnerable around the world, but it is the exact right answer for some children um, who are who are who are deprived of family. And ultimately, um, international adoption is the appropriate thing um, to help them to to find permanence and. And so we are really uh, thankful that um, that while we have been led into uh, the world, the work of global orphan care, and and to equip churches around the world to care for children, that that there also is still a place for international adoption and for girls like Joy um, that that are able to um, to be brought in and to know the love of a family and ultimately to be uh, to be discipled by a family um, to know Jesus. Yeah, and and I love what you said, Dr. Rick, and and certainly we agree that international adoption is not the right option for every child that's orphaned or vulnerable or in need of a home around the world. Domestic intervention, domestic adoption, domestic foster care, equipping the global church is so important and something we need to be looking at. But we also know that international adoption could be the exact right option for 
little girls like Adeline and others who have been reached even during this global pandemic through the gift of international adoption. And we're seeing these children thrive and we're seeing these children survive. And it's a, it's a glorious thing when we see that occur, Mm -hmm. but knowing it's not for every child and knowing that there are so many kids that will never be reached even by domestic intervention we really believe in strategic orphan care of awakening the global church to the call of James 127. And, and you and I have said many times in many places, we can't think that James was writing to the American church in order to take care of the global orphan care crisis. The American church wasn't even in existence. James was talking to the global church, to the bride of Christ, wherever she may be, that her duty was to care for orphans and vulnerable children. And so, We've got this beautiful 10-year-old little girl that, like you said, I I got to see right at the beginning of the pandemic uh, back in February of 2020, and she was actually in Steps Home in Chennai, India, and I got to hear a little bit about her story, about how she came to Steps. Uh, She didn't come through the traditional means that most of the young ladies, and Steps Home for Girl Children has 19 Young ladies that make a residence and make a home and Isaac and Tara Monogram have have brought these girls there either by purchasing them um, out of slavery or many times when their parents have been deceased or when their parents have died, they've come into this home. But for little Arthi, that was not the way she came in. Her story was was tragic nonetheless, um, but in a different kind of tragic way. Um, when she was younger, uh, she was living with her mom and, and her mom came to the, the place of realizing that she could no longer take care of her daughter. And so as, as she decided what to do and, and didn't know what to do, she decided to tell little Arthi that they were going to visit some friends in another town. And so she takes uh, little Arthi and, and the two of them get ready and they go to the train station and, Arthi's mom told her that, hey, I'm, I'm going to go get you an apple from a fruit stand. She hugged her. She walked away. And at that point, Arthi never saw her mom again. And so she was alone and she was scared and she didn't know what to do. But, but the police came seeing this young child alone, um, not knowing what to do. Uh, she had the presence of mind to tell them where she lived and how to get there. And so they guided her. She guided the, the police and, and, and those in her city back to, uh, back to her mother and where her home was. And so at first she was happy thinking it was a mistake and just very happy to be home and overjoyed that she was able to find her home. But then Arthi says she saw her mom goes up, but her mom told the police she didn't know who this child was and acted as though she didn't know her. So the police uh, took her to uh, a place where they keep uh, children um, kind of like a hostel or a place uh, that, that they are, that they bring them aside um, when they don't know what to do with these children. Um, and and Arthi just reported that she was lonely and she didn't know what to do. But by God's grace, our partners at Steps Home for the Girl Children heard about Arthi's story and brought her into Steps Home. And they knew that it would potentially be uh, a short-term placement. They didn't know what might happen, um, but they were committed to praying that they would find a place for Arthi. Um, they took care of her school, they fed her, they showed her love, and they started to teach her about the love of Christ Jesus. 
But the beautiful thing, Dr. Rick, in 2021 that happened is a family. And and actually, when I was there in 2020, I had the opportunity to, to, to preach at two different churches from God's word, the call of uh, the call of the gospel on the life of the believer to care for the orphan and the vulnerable child. And a family from one of these, these churches actually came up to Isaac and Tara uh, very shortly thereafter and said, if you ever have a young girl, if you ever find a young lady that needs a place to stay, we don't have the means right now and we don't have the resources right now to actually adopt, but we would love to bring a child into our home and to foster that child um, and just to give them a safe place. And so tragically, Isaac actually contracted um, COVID-19 at the very beginning of this pandemic and passed away in June of 2020. But what that did is that started off a cycle uh, where Tara and her family started to really grab around these girls and really take care of these girls. But they also started to realize that they needed to be more serious about, about Arthi in particular because she didn't need to grow up. In, in a girl's home. She really needed to be with a family. And so lots of different uh, movement was made and this family was introduced to Arthi. And now at 10 years old, she is in a foster family that's committed to her for a long, long term. Um, and again, culturally, adoption is just hard for them to manage this family in particular, but they're willing to provide for her and love her and care for her. And what a, what a beautiful picture of, of, of the gospel. And even in a time when international adoption has been difficult because of travel and delays, to see this believing family step up and say, hey, we want to bring this child into our home. And Dr. Rick, we know also throughout the last year, we've seen very similar stories happen in Latin America and happen in other parts of, of Asia and Eastern Europe, where the body of Christ in Romania and Costa Rica and Colombia and even in India is wrapping around children in so many special ways. This has just been a year really the last 18 months, but even in 2021, where we didn't expect to see what we saw and so many unexpected things have happened. And I, I know that at the end of 2020, we had hopes that COVID-19 would no longer be a reality. And almost like January 1, 2021 would come and we'd forget what COVID-19 was. We'd forget what a global pandemic was. But yet here we are still sitting in the midst of a, of a global pandemic. And yet we see that the Lord has continually moved He's continually worked in ways that we could have never even begun to imagine. And we've seen growth this year as unfortunately, as some organizations have changed their scope of ministry and have, have, have even changed the, the way they do ministry or the standards by which they apply in their ministry. We've seen the opportunity to take on and to grow in different areas. We've, we've seen growth in South Carolina as we took over uh, nine staff from a ministry that was doing work in South Carolina. We saw work at growth in South Dakota and Wyoming as we got licensed in those states to be able to, to bring on offices from another organization uh, that was changing their model. And then as well in Arkansas and, and in the panhandle of Florida, and even in South Alabama, we were able to bring on and, and, and bring some offices. And we've, we've even seen where we were already planted 
this growth of this work and this depth of this work. Families Count has, has just exploded as we're caring for families that have lost their kids to foster care. We've seen hosting opportunities to our Harbor families where we're actually bringing kids in to try to keep them out of the foster care system and helping their parents and helping uh, just, just reunite kids, but also keep them within their nuclear families. And then, of course, we have seen just the explosion of a pilot program called Heritage Builders, where we're helping kids that are aging out of foster care. And, you know, Dr. Rick, we really could tell story after story after story of all the amazing things that we've seen the Lord do. But I know for some people, as we're kind of closing and wrapping down, they want to go, that's great, but how can I invest my time, my talent, and my treasure to partner in the things the Lord's doing through Lifeline? Yeah. You know, Herbie, I, I think is, you know, even as you pointed out, um, you know, James one twenty seven. I think one of the things that we really hold on to is, first of all, this idea that um, the Lord has called us all to um, to be involved in this work, and he's given us all something to, to use to be involved. Um, and so that every family's not going to adopt, every family's not going to foster, um, every person's not going to travel halfway around the world and and, and minister to orphans or pour into a church or, or those kinds of things. Um, we, we love to help people do all of those things. And so if you're out there and you, you know, God's put the call of adoption on your heart, or if you're trying to figure out how to get engaged in the foster care system for, you know, for the sake of Christ, um, like we want to help you right? Like that's something we do and we're passionate about. And, and we would love nothing more than coming alongside you and coming alongside your church to, to be able to do that. Um, but, but I think there are many, many more people out there who have the opportunity to, you know, to pray for and to leverage talents and skills and abilities and things that they, that they have and that they're able to do. I mean, one of the things you talked about families count and, um, you know, one of the things we found that is um, that's as valuable a skill as anything else that people do in families count is making a casserole, right? Like, because we, we feed these families as the church is teaching them, the church is reaching out and providing meals and providing transportation and all these kind of things to at-risk families so that they get the, the gospel-centered biblical education about family that both helps them in, you know, in their reunification plan, but it also gives the, gives the church the opportunity to be able to put the gospel on display right there in front of them. And, and, and so, you know, when, when you're helping to feed or provide transportation or those kinds of things, those are very tangible things that a lot of us can do that, that add up to, um, you know, being able to create a, an incredible opportunity. Um, but I think also, you know, we come into a time like this at the end of the year and, and we realize that the, you know, the greatest gift that, that's been given to us, we celebrate in, you know, in Christ and, and, and the fact that, that, you know, as Philippians 2 says, that, that Christ didn't count it um, you know, it, it, like it, it, it wasn't something to be grasped, but, but rather what did he do? He stepped out of heaven and he came and he lived among us, his creation and lived a life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve to die and, and provided for us. And, and so the greatest gift that we have to talk about in this time is, is, is the ability to be able to tell people about the life and the freedom 
and 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 ultimately the the restoration that's found in Jesus. And 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 for us here at Lifeline, we you know we depend on friends and and people to come around our ministry to help us to provide the resources to to do what it is we do. And and so I, I want to end by by pointing out um, a, a page, and and it's a page where I think. Uh, a webpage where you can go to find out more about Lifeline. You can go to find out more about these stories. Um, and it's it's on our website. It's lifelinechild.org backslash change one life. And so if you go to lifelinechild.org backslash change one life, um, you know, what, what you're going to, what you're going to find when you get there is some more of what Herbie and I can't tell you today about the great things that God's doing here. And you're going to get to hear from some of our team about the Christ centered ways that they delve into this ministry. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, what we, what we want to say to you is that, that we don't, um, you know, we're not trying to buffalo you into anything. We're not trying to, you know, to lead you to, 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 to do something other than join us in the work that God has placed for us. Um, because, because at the end of the day, you're not, you're not standing on the outside looking in, you're not looking over our shoulder. You're ultimately a part of the family that's helping to accomplish the work that, that God has set out for his church as lifeline comes alongside his church to, um, to make the body of Christ fit, to care for orphaned, vulnerable children in our communities and around the world, and and ultimately to put the light of Christ on display. And so we would love for you to join us. If there are ways that we can help you, or if there are ways that we can help your church, uh, we we stand ready. Uh, and it's our greatest joy to be able to do those things um, and, and, and to be able to bring more people into the opportunity to care for orphans, but to do it in a way that we're pointing to the greatest hope that we have. And, and that's the hope that we find in Christ. And so we are, we are incredibly thankful for you. We're thankful for the time that you gave us today on this podcast. It's a gift to us that you spent this kind of time with us. And we would love to find a way to return that kindness and, and to, to spend some time investing in you uh, as you seek to feel, fulfill God's call uh, to live out James 1.27. Well, Dr. Rick, as we know, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and it's all His. Our time, our talent, our treasure, everything that we have belongs to the Lord. And it's our great gift here at the end of the year to be able to come together, right, as a a union of, of people together, missionaries for the Lord, coming together to give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, so that ultimately the Lord will take it what's already his. He already owns it. He takes what we have to give as a worship to himself, ultimately to change one life. So go to lifelinechild.org and look for Change One Life and join us before the end of the year. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.